Who you gonna change? Amen. <laughs> Next week. All right. Who you gonna change these chairs? <laughs> All right. It's good to be with you this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started this morning. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to once again to come and my brothers and sisters in Christ and open up the Word of God and begin to learn more about You, to learn of Your love for us, to learn of Your intimacy that You desire with us. So Father, we thank You for the Holy Spirit of God that is our teacher and guide into truth. We ask Him now, Lord, that He be with us. Open our understanding. Open our heart. Father, I pray that You'll just be with us as we look into Your Word. and uh, Lord, help us just to accurately handle the Word of truth today. Speak to us in our place of need. Help us to receive that, which will help us to become the men and women of God that will glorify and honor You. Grow in our maturity. Thank You for Jesus, our Savior. Thank You for His sacrifice, His willingness, voluntarily coming, being our substitute, taking our place to pay our sin debt, and open the way to have a relationship with You. Thank You for the power of the resurrection that lives within us, that enables us to live a life that will please You. Now, Father, guide us through Your Word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to today. We are looking, doing our study of the harmony of the Gospels. We are looking at the subjects of the incarnation, the infancy, the adolescence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are focusing at this point in time on the incarnation of Christ. <coughs> We looked last week in Luke chapter 1 concerning the Annunciation to Mary, concerning the coming birth of the Lord Jesus, that she was chosen by God to be the vessel through which the Lord Jesus would come and take on humanity. Today we're going to look at the other side of the coin, and that is in the life of Joseph. Matthew chapter 1 gives us an albeit briefer account of the Annunciation or the announcement to Joseph concerning uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus, the incarnation of the Messiah. We're going to begin in verse 18 and go down to the end of the chapter and uh, just pull out some uh, points uh, this morning. By the way, it's going to be. I'm going to have to cut off earlier than normal. Uh, God is blessed with the opportunity to make, do baptism again this morning, and uh, so I've got to leave early to get ready. Uh, I've got to go put on my tie uh, to baptize. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You mean your wading boots? My wading boots, and my swim trunks. I got. I'm baptizing a big guy. Both of us might go under today. So, uh, but uh, it's, it's a great privilege. Uh, the uh, it's going to be going to be neat. And uh, 
before I get into the lesson, I, I want to share something with you about that because uh, it, I think it will hopefully will encourage you to get more involved. Number one, the big guy I'm talking about that um, have the privilege of baptizing is um, uh, has I recently met him uh, just uh, I don't know end of last year maybe uh, probably uh, several months. And uh, he began, I invited him, and he began coming to a men's Bible study that I hold early on Wednesday morning. And uh, in that Bible study, we one day had a conversation about baptism. You remember that, Bubba? And uh, so that began to work on his heart because he... He gave testimony, uh, and by the way, I do that in other places other than just here. I put people on the spot, and I want people to share with me their relationship with Christ, etc. And in his testimony, he, he brought out that he was baptized as a young man, but later came to know Christ as an adult, later on in life. And now he has come to realize <clears throat> excuse me, that he needs to follow the Lord in baptism, thus the result of him, and now I'm going to have the privilege not only to baptize him, but to baptize his son, who came to Christ in our last vacation Bible uh, summer, summer survivor thing. So uh, vacation Bible school thing. That's exciting. Then Wednesday night uh, at journey classes, uh, I'm walking down the hall going to class. And two of the lady, young ladies that attend the class were standing out in the hall talking. And uh, Miss Sam, uh, the you know who I'm talking about, it was Frank Tate's assistant. She comes in here a lot of times. She helps over the connection class. Anyway, we were walking down the hall talking about things, and um, the two young ladies, as I approached them, asked me uh, what did they need to do or who do they need to talk to about being baptized. Well. Lo and behold, Miss Sam's over all that also. So I introduced them. And long story short, both of those young ladies wanted to be baptized, but the main one that spoke asked first. I And again, I put them on the spot. I said, the only prerequisite is for baptism that I know of is that you need to have a personal relationship with Christ. Tell me about yours. And she said, well, last year at the festival... Fall Fest, she came to know Christ. And I found out this morning, uh, I don't know if, how many of you have ever attended the Fall Fest. Yeah? Do you re- remember seeing a cross, big wooden cross, out in the, uh, by the pavilion there? Well, Robert Quick, a friend of mine and I, usually manned that cross, and as a result, we witness, we give out tracts, we share the gospel. She was one of the young ladies. I didn't realize it at the time she was one of the young ladies that gave her life to Christ that day at the last fall fest so uh, again I, and the other lady was a friend of hers so uh, I'm just elated this morning be able to follow up and baptize uh, these folks and uh, so these events God uses and be encouraged by that pray for these events Easter is coming the Easter egg hunt we think Easter egg hunt. Kids, Easter eggs. They're going after the Easter eggs and the candy, etc. 
But there's more involved to that. There's going to be a cross out there. And there's going to be some guys standing out there trying to share the gospel. So you need to be praying for God to work in these these avenues that uh, uh, to where people can come to know Christ. So be encouraged by that. These are not just events just to have an event. They are purposeful. They are they're 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 planned to get people in to where we can share the gospel with them. So and it works. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. I was I'm excited about that. So Thank you. So <clears throat> Yo is one little girl named Margaret She is. She is the one. That's my granddaughter in law she says she knew you, and I, I said I'd pray for her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get her sister. Okay. Tell me her sister's name. Uh, her sister's name, uh, Era. Okay. All right. I, I don't. Era Shepherd. Trying to. Grandson's wife. Okay. Okay. We're working on him now. Okay. Good. Well, praise the Lord. How about that? Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, yeah, she told me that she. She knew you, but I and she told me the connection, but I couldn't remember the connection. So, all right, great. All right, Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows: After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till uh, she had brought forth her son, firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Last week, I introduced to you and then tried to explain somewhat about the betrothal period between Joseph and Mary. It's like an engagement, long-term engagement, anywhere from a month to a year, usually around a year's time frame. During that engagement period, these, these, the couple is looked upon as being married, yet the marriage is not consummated until later on when the actual wedding takes place, the marriage ceremony. The only way that that engagement period can come to an end is by a divorce, a legal divorce process. Uh, They have to go through that in order just to end the engagement. Now, during this engagement period, Mary, if you, as you remember last week, received a visit from Gabriel, the angel of God. She, he delivered her the message that she had been chosen by God to uh, be the vessel through whom uh, God would send His Son and take on humanity. He, Jesus would be uh, born, be her son. And 
all that transpired. Well, he, the angel also told her about her cousin Elizabeth, who was elderly and now six months pregnant, way past childbearing days, and gave her that sign as evidence that what he had, the message that he had delivered, that she being a virgin was going to conceive by God uh, to, to have a son, that that was her sign that, hey, it's going to happen. So, um, and we find that uh, no details were given about the conception other than the Bible says that the, the God would overshadow uh, Mary and the power of God would overshadow her and she would uh, conceive and uh, bear a son. The overshadowing is an imagery that all Jews knew. Uh, we're going all the way back to Exodus chapter, the last chapter of Exodus when the tabernacle was erected as Moses was uh, instructed to build it. When they finally got it erected, the Bible says that the cloud that uh, led them out of Egypt by day, it was the glory cloud of God, the Shekinah glory, of God came down and enveloped the tabernacle, filled up the tabernacle, and it just no one could approach the tabernacle because of the glory of the Lord that was uh, there at the tabernacle. So the overshadowing imagery was given to Mary so she would have somewhat of an idea of what was going on. Unlike Greek mythology, you know, it, you know. And you know what is amazing is if you begin to look into different religions and different thing, concepts of, of deities, you find a lot of similarities uh, to the Bible, and yet a lot of added stuff and twisted stuff that takes away from the validity of the truth of the Word of God. You know, Greek mythology is Zeus, the main God uh, who uh, fathers comes down and takes on human form and, and meets with uh, human women and can, they conceive so there's a bunch of half gods walking around Hercules was everybody heard of Hercules? he was known as a you know, son of a god So, but he had a human mother but a deity of a father so that kind of stuff is prominent throughout the world today so you need to be very careful about that. And I like, you know, personally, I like watching these shows, these movies about, you know, Greek mythology and all that kind of stuff. But you have to keep them in context and realize that they're fiction. Okay? So anyway, but this is not like that. God told Mary what was going to happen, and, that, and God did a work of impossibility, made it possible through His power. It doesn't come out and give us a time frame. But the Bible does say that later on in Luke chapter 1 that Mary leaves and goes to visit her relative Elizabeth uh, and stays there three months with Elizabeth. Um, we're not, we don't know if Mary, before she left to go visit Elizabeth, if she had told Joseph what the angel told her before she left or it was after she came back in three months and had a little baby bump and now she is going to tell Joseph 
You know, I don't know when Joseph found out from Mary what was going on. But Joseph was in a dilemma. He knew. I don't know when he knew, but he knew because he was contemplating all this that was going on. Because here's this young couple. Remember, Mary was probably 14. Joseph was not much older than that. They were teenagers. They were their their lives were being planned out, and they were already engaged. And now they were they were what they were planning on an ideal life, a normal life. Here the boat has been rocked by this message from from Gabriel. Now Mary is expecting. Remember the 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 reputation of the city of Nazareth, the town of Nazareth, of the Roman garrison. You know, the first thought was that uh, Mary had hooked up with some Roman soldier, and now she's pregnant. And you know, so there's a dilemma. Now, the dilemma was Joseph had a choice to make. He know he knew Mary, his betrothed wife, uh, to be wife, uh, was expecting with child. He knew it wasn't his. She claimed the story of an angel's message. You know, most of us would think it was a preposterous story, some kind of, you know, I understand about trying to cover up things, but that's a wild cover up. So he's having these thoughts going through his mind, so he's got a choice to make. Number one, because they were considered as being married, if she was pregnant, then she had committed adultery, and that, under the Jewish law, was punishable by stoning to death. He could have said, "I'm having none of this. You know, we're bringing you before the before the before the leaders, and next thing you know, they're stoning Mary to death." Now he's out of it. He's clear. He's he's protected his name, his reputation by doing that. Okay? Because his reputation is just as much on the line as hers. Because not only is she going to be looked at as an adulterer, adulteress, um, then are, he's going to be looked upon as one, possibly if he accepts this, as one that that committed immorality with her uh, before marriage. So either way he goes, he's really not in a win-win situation. He's in a lose-lose situation. Either he can protect his own reputation and destroy her, or he can des- destroy his reputation and accept her and kind of deal with it. Or he can divorce her on the grounds of adultery, which again is going to cause a lot of ramifications for her, but yet it would still clear his name. So he's contemplating it. That's what's going on here in Matthew chapter 1. Before they came together, before they had sexual relations, before they were married, before they consummated the marriage, uh, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, and is looked at, he's looked at as her husband because legally he is. Being a just man, he was an upright, honest, just, righteous man, moral man. He wanted to do the right thing. He was, he was full of integrity. 
he he wanted to protect his reputation, but he wanted to protect Mary as well. Now, as we discussed last week, the marriage was basically arranged by the parents, Joseph's parents, Mary's parents, but yet they knew each other. I believe Joseph and Mary really loved each other. I think that's how they ended up coming together. And Joseph really wanted the best for Mary, and he's wanting to protect her. It says, not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately. He was going to... He he opted for the course of action of maybe a quiet, as much as possible, secret divorce. Yes, sir. Were marriages arranged? Yes. Did families also have suffered some damage from yes, having their, marriage? Yes, the family name would have suffered damage. Parents, right. Her parents right. and his parents would have right. been You know, everybody would have looked at Mary's parents and said, you just didn't raise her right. You know, Joseph's parents, I can't believe he went through with that and all that kind of stuff. So whatever repercussions came to Joseph and Mary also, I think, spilled over into the family itself, the parents. Uh, so there's a, all kinds of things going on. And Joseph's mind was, was swirling with uh, trying to look at all the possibilities. But he... He was leaning toward putting her away privately. He wanted to do it as quietly as possible to um, save as much hardship as possible to keep her out of the, the, the pain. Uh, so which is commendable on his part. He wouldn't, you know, what he could have done was really just sounded the bell and had all the town. But he's a, it's a small town. Everybody knew what was going on. But he, but he was trying to do it as quietly as possible. So, uh, but we see that he, he said, while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, he was, contemplating all this says an angel of the Lord came to him I believe it was Gabriel although the scriptures do not specifically say it was Gabriel also Mary and Zechariah who had received a visit from Gabriel had been done so while they were awake they were about themselves Joseph was asleep says it appeared in a dream, an angel. So it was not really a specific angel, but I have to believe that all through the Scriptures, whenever God wanted to give a message to someone, uh, in a specific, clear message personally, it was angel Gabriel that came and delivered the message. Even with Daniel, uh, it was Gabriel that came to deliver the message. He is known as are regarded as the messenger angel. Michael, he's re- referred to the only other, uh, the, the second of three angels that are named in Scripture. Michael is regarded as the warrior angel. He was always fighting. He was protecting everybody. So, uh, so Gabriel was the messenger. So I tend to believe that Gabriel was involved in this uh, communication. But we find that uh, the angel came and appeared to him in a dream. It's not uncommon in, in Bible for God to give messages and visions and dreams. Uh, if you recall back in the Old Testament in our study in Genesis, 
Jacob had dreams. God spoke to him in visions and dreams and uh, you know all throughout scripture we have one right after another where God communicated his uh, desire uh, to him in the dreams. And the message was Joseph, son of David. Now that was a good salutation. It should have been a noteworthy salutation for Joseph because number one, who was the Jew who were the what stipulation was regarded as a prerequisite for the Messiah to be of the lineage of David. 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 Uh, because he was to be the heir of the throne. He was to establish the throne of David. So now we find that Joseph is in the lineage of David, so he you know uh, he could the angel could have identified his father, but none but instead he did a more specific, powerful salutation. He identified him as a son of David. Uh, also, you know, letting Joseph know, okay, there's a special thing going on here. The son of David, the lineage of David, put two to two together, Joseph, okay, there's some validity in this message that is coming. Um, do not be afraid to take to you marry your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, that pretty much validated Mary's story to Joseph. I'm sure that Mary relayed her message, her encounter with Gabriel, just probably verbatim, step by step, play by play, uh, very clear to Joseph, this is what happened, this is what the angel said. Uh, and so now here we have an angel of God saying, okay, what she told you is true. And so don't be afraid to follow through with the marriage uh, with her. So conceived of the Holy Spirit. The uh, being virgin born was such... He, he needed, the Messiah needed to be of the lineage of David, needed to be virgin born because of the fulfillment of Scripture. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, made this statement concerning the virgin birth, said, uh, There is no other way of Jesus' being born. For had He been uh, of a sinful father, human father, how should He have possessed a sinless nature? He could not have. He would have been a sinner just like his father. He is born of a woman. Jesus is born of a woman that he might be human, but not by man that he might not be sinful. So it was imperative that the virgin birth take place for Jesus to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. So, Joseph contemplating the divorce the angel intervenes and begins to give him this message give him this encouragement and it says in verse 21 uh, the, the message continues from the angel says she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins the mission of the Messiah was that he would come to save his people from their sin. Now, 
It didn't say God's people. It said His people. It didn't say the chosen ones. He said His people. Which implies that it's not just to the Jewish nation that He's coming. He's coming for all that would receive Him as their personal Savior. So it's encompassing all of humanity. And Jesus came for all that who would in faith receive Him as their Savior could be saved, would be saved. She'll bring forth a son, Mary, bring forth a son, and names the, the son, Jesus. Now Jesus, uh, whether you realize it or not, was a very common name at that time. Uh, just like Robert or John or, or you know, just like... Uh, in fact, I've met a lot of Jesuses even here in my in my career. There's a lot of Hispanic folks that would come in and I'd ask them their name and they would write it out. And I said, "Wow, you look different than what I imagined." So you know, but, you know, a lot more to the story than that. I'm just making light of it, and, but it opened up a good opportunity to talk to them about Jesus because I asked them about it anyway. But they don't pronounce it Jesus. They pronounce it Jesus. Yes. So, anyway, so but Jesus was a common name at that time. But the son of Mary, the son of God, made it a very special name. In fact, God exalted His name. Uh, his name is uh, now very special, very well regarded. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians that God has exalted His name that uh, to, the, to the point that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That at the name of Jesus, this Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. So we find that, uh, that the angel... Name gave the name Jesus and gave the mission. He shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, his salvation is threefold. Jesus comes to save us from the penalty of our sin. The wages of sin is death. The price of sin is death. Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin. Then we, as we begin to study the Word of God, we find that the second phase of His salvation is that He saves us from the power of sin. That's called sanctification. Through His relationship with Him, He enables us through the power of His resurrection to break the bonds, the chains of sin in our life, the dominion of sin in our life. So He saves us from the penalty of sin, saves us from the power of sin, and one day, thanks to be God, He's going to save us from the very presence of sin when He comes and changes us and gives us a glorified body and takes us on to heaven where there is no evidence of sin, uh, no presence of sin. So one day, the, the battle will be over and we'll be delivered from that uh, for all. Salvation uh, from sins is an element of the Old Testament uh, hope. You know, that's, that's what they were looking for in every sacrifice that they, they made in the Old Testament. they looking at the hope of the salvation of the Messiah, the Redeemer that would come they, they, in the expectation of His work, His redemptive work. 
they were looking for that. And uh, uh, so it was that filled them with hope. And it also should give us the hope uh, of our salvation as well. So, for His people. Not just those that belong to Abraham, but for those who come to Christ. And in verse 22 it says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Now if you'll, as you read through Matthew, especially Matthew, because Matthew kind of emphasizes this in his writing. He's writing to Jews. You know, in the introduction I brought out the different writers of the Gospels were writing to specific audiences. Matthew was writing specifically to the audience of Jews who knew the Old Testament prophecies, who knew the, the Scriptures, what it says. And all throughout Matthew, he begins to repetitively say that it might be fulfilled. He's wanting his readers to know that what is going on now is fulfilling a prophecy that was given in the Old Testament and Jesus is the one that was meeting and fulfilling that prophecy. So he's saying here, even in, in his birth, in the announcement of his birth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord through the prophet, and that prophet was Isaiah. Isaiah 7.14 Behold, a virgin shall be with child, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So Isaiah 7.14, that prophecy was given here uh, to Joseph to let Joseph know that the child that was uh, Mary was carrying, it was going to fulfill that prophecy. The Messiah was coming. Seed of the woman, Genesis 3.15, virgin birth, Isaiah 7.14. So all these things were, were fulfillments to the Word of God. Genesis 3.15. That's talking about the seed of the woman. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which spoken of the Lord by the prophet, through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, I like the way that Matthew points out uh, very often throughout the Gospel of Matthew that uh, he helps us understand the different fulfillments that were uh, taking place in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Emmanuel. Let's talk about the name Emmanuel. This title of Jesus refers to both His deity, God with us, God with us, and His identification and nearness to man, God with us. So, Emmanuel, God with us, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, is a, a, an intimate, personal name, identification to encourage us, to let us know that God is not just a standoff God. He's not one that just... I know that there are some religions that teach that God may have created everything, but then He just slings us out into existence and lets us deal with things however we want to deal with it and see what comes out in the wash at the end. 
But that's not the way God works. He has been from the from the beginning of mankind a very personal God interacting with us. He wants us to know that He is uh, wanting that relationship. He desires, He longs for that relationship with us. Even the name that the angel gave to Jesus, Emmanuel, indicates that and implies that uh, to affirm that that personal intimacy that God wants with us. So, uh, we see that, excuse me, that Jesus is called Emmanuel. He influences us by His Holy Spirit. He influences us um, by His, the sacraments that He gives us, the, the Lord's Supper, the baptism, the preaching of His Word, the private prayer. Every action that we take is an interaction with the Lord. And we, uh, even when we pray, we begin, Lord, we pray, Father, we pray, Lord Jesus. And then we end it in Jesus' name. All that begins to point to that connection that we have with Him. He is God with us. He is with us to comfort us, to enlighten us, to protect us, to provide for us to uh, defend us in, in our daily walk, in our life. Um, when we face temptation, when we go through trials, uh, He is with us. Uh, you know, the psalmist, you heard me say this, Psalm 23, the psalmist prayed, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're walking through it, we're not standing in it, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, Will and fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So God is with us. And, and he, he longs for us to understand that, to embrace that, to know that, to lean on that. Uh, not only in then, but also in the day of judgment. You know, when this life is over, physical life, and we step into real eternity. Uh, God doesn't leave us alone. He's right there with us. You know, if He's with us now, He's with us then. We can have that hope, that assurance. Um, there was an author that gives about four points concerning the uh, meaning of the name Emmanuel. I want to read those because these, these are very powerful. Emmanuel. It shows how low God bent down to save man. He added the nature of one of His own creatures to His own divine nature, accepting the weakness, frailties, and dependency that the creature experiences. That's, that's pretty deep thought. You know, whenever we think about what God did for our salvation, He lowered Himself. You know, Philippians 2 talks about that. The second thing this author writes concerning Emmanuel, it says, it shows what a great miracle it was that God could add a human nature to His own and still remain God. Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. We've talked about that. The third thing he brought out, it shows the compatibility between the unfallen human nature and the divine nature. That the two could be joined shows that we are truly made in the image of God. Gives us the, the reflection back in 
Genesis 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2, when Adam was created first in his innocent state, but yet God was able to communicate and fellowship with him, and they walked together, and they spent time together in that, that state. It wasn't until chapter 3 in the fall of man, sin introduced into mankind, that things just went chaotic. But this Emmanuel, the, the term, shows that that can uh, come together, the compatibility of it. Then the, the last thing he brought out was that it shows that we can come to Him. If He has come to us, then we can come to Him. Then if Jesus Christ be God with us, let us come to God without any question or hesitancy. Whoever you may be, excuse me, whoever you may be, you need no priest or intercessor to introduce to you God, for God has introduced Himself to you. So, Emmanuel, powerful name. A lot of implications there. A lot of things that we can take with that. Um, John Wesley, it says that whenever he died, he uh, made reference. He said, let us live with this upon our hearts, that the best of all is God with us. And uh, truly, when we really embrace that truth, we should find a lot of comfort, a lot of strength in that. Verse 24 of Matthew 1. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. So we find here that Joseph, there's no implications of argument, of debate. It was only that of submission and surrender to the will of God. He awakes from his sleep. He, he reflects upon the, the message and the vision of the angel and the message that he gave. He immediately obeys what the Lord told him. And he took Mary, his wife. Now again, I'm not, we're not privy to the time frame of this, where it was in the betrothal period. But immediately, he says, he took his Mary to be his wife. Last week when we talked about the betrothal period, I, I'm, I'm thinking that, that I stopped just short of this. So I'm going to pick up here, and if, I, if, if my memory serves me incorrectly, then forgive me. Just go with me. Humor me. I'm getting old. The, uh, in the betrothal period, you know, they, they were engaged. They have this ceremony. The engagement ceremony lasts about a week. Then at the end of that ceremony, Mary goes to her parents' house. Joseph goes to his parents' house. During the betrothal period, Mary's preparing her to going through the ceremony and rituals, cleansing and all the preparations and getting her hope chest and fine china and all that kind of stuff going on there to where she can uh, make a home, getting her dishes together and the coffee cups and the coffee pot and all the community coffee, all that kind of stuff there. Uh, to where she can set up home. Yes. Joseph, on the other hand, at the same time, is building a place for them to live. In addition to the father, his father's house, he's adding on a room for them to reside. That's where they would live. Uh, gives a good picture of 
what Jesus said in John 14, if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to my Father's house, prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And that's what Joseph was doing, preparing for Mary to become his wife. So when that time is finished, when that room is finished, that's whenever Joseph and his, uh, his the party, the wedding party, goes from Joseph's house to Mary's house and there they meet up with Mary and her wedding party and the wedding party picks up the couple, Joseph and Mary, and part of the ceremony and carries them to Joseph's place, to their new home. And that's part of the ceremony, part of the wedding ceremony. Great picture of the, the time that we that Jesus comes and gets us and takes us home to be at His Father's house. And the Bible talks about in Romans, Revelation chapter 19 and 20 about the wedding supper of the Lamb. And there's a big festival and big celebration going on. Another week-long celebration. The wedding at Cana, John chapter 2, where Jesus and His disciples and His mother Mary attended uh, that was a week-long wedding separation there, a celebration uh, at that time. So that was going on. There was a great event happening. Now, what is ironic is that by this time, the wedding party is aware of the fact that Mary is expecting. And yet they're carrying them to their perspective home, new perspective home. And Joseph is accepting of that. And Joseph is embracing Mary and and it's showing the 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 town that he is in, encouraged by his wife coming to him. He is accepting of that. And he is accepting responsibility. And humanly speaking, none of the rest of them know about the visit of the angel. They don't know the message that they were given. They're looking at things from a human's perspective. They're thinking, okay, Joseph is owning up to it. This is his child. They've messed up. So, Joseph and Mary just have to take whatever heat comes out. You know, they, they live with that kind of reputation, that cloud hanging over them. That's how Jesus was raised. Uh, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, in Nazareth were thinking, okay, Jesus is that, uh, you know, that, that kid that came way too early. Uh, so, you know, that kind of cloud was over him. That's one of the reasons it was hard for them, Nazareth, the hometown, to accept him when he went. And he could do nothing not many miracles there because of their unbelief. They still had that problem. They were dealing with this, this uh, past, this issue in his own life. But the Bible says that Joseph took uh, Mary as wife. Now look at verse 25. It says, "...and did not know her till he, she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus." First of all, when, when the child was born, they named the, the child exactly what get, uh, the angel told him to name. But the, the powerful thing is, in verse 25, it teaches us that the marriage was not consummated until after the birth of Jesus. 
Not only was Mary the virgin, she conceived, she gave birth as a virgin. So, now, she had, Joseph and Mary had sons and daughters after Jesus. So, you know, uh, to the demise of some of the Catholic teaching, uh, the uh, Immaculate Conception and the assumption that Mary was a virgin for all of eternity, that blows this out of the water if they look at Scripture correctly. Mary was a virgin when she conceived. Mary was a virgin when she gave birth, but she did not stay a virgin after that. Okay? They consummated the marriage. They had children. But we find that uh, I think Joseph was a very honorable man and I didn't have time to go into a lot of things that I wanted intended to go through because of other issues. I have to quit here in just about one more minute. And uh, uh, But Joseph, if you put, it, put yourself in his, his shoes, he had a lot going on. He had a lot of pressure on him. He was going through a lot of issues he's having to process all this message. Yes, ma'am. I don't know that a lot of people have ever thought about this. Uh, I don't hear it talked much. But I personally think that Joseph was as chosen as Mary. Because not any, not all men could accept all that that he did. He was a very special person. And I think it was a God thing that Joseph was the one that was chosen to be Mary's earthly husband. I think he accepted it a lot more after the angels spoke to him in that dream. If that would have never happened, he might have had a lot more yeah. trouble. I'm sure that helped. Well, I think God knew that he would be accepting it. And I, I think it was a God thing that, oh, I that, do too. that, that the two, those two came I think both of them were chosen by the Lord to do this. And, and, uh, and the angels do have a big purpose in, in uh, our lives. I believe that. Well, the Bible says they're ministering spirits to us. Yeah. Do you watch t- Touched by an Angel on TV? Not lately. <laughs> well, is it spiritual at all? Somewhat. Yeah, that's good. That was years, good. years ago. Yeah. No, it's old now. Well, I mean, initially, initially it was about but, but 30, 30, 30 years ago. Was she still on there? Yes. But all of them probably did. Well, I just lost this. This is what you got to work with next week. <laughs> I remember a number of years ago when they had the Christmas party for the connection class that had been several years ago. They gave out uh, the DVD, and I think it was called The Messiah. Maybe. It, it was the Christmas story. And that is such a good DVD, and it goes through um, what Joseph went through. When you know when he found out Mary was a child, and, mm-hmm. and it goes on the journey to to register and all, and how she right. love for him, and she comes to realize he is a good man. Yeah. Anyway, it's just a yeah, it's, it's powerful. Both of them had a lot to deal with, so we, you know we 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 have a, a real concise. Uh, narrative of the Annunciation, but it doesn't really go into a lot of details that, that you know the human aspect 
had to deal with. But the important stuff is that Jesus was was intentional. He left heaven. He came to earth. Took on the form for a purpose. That was to save us from our sin. And God chose the right couple to bring the Messiah into the world and and help him along. So uh, we're going to start. We're going to look next week uh, at the uh, uh, arrival of Jesus. You know, the birth. Uh, Luke uh, chapter two. Uh, we'll go into more detail of that uh, next week, Lord willing. And uh, Not then, next week. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> after Easter. After Easter. Yes, ma'am. Robert, touching on the, the three angels that I mentioned so often in the Bible, I know that Michael was the archangel that was more involved in battle, protecting his God's people. And Gabriel seemed to be the one that brought good news and instruction from God. Lucifer. He started out. He started out as he's. They're the only three that were are named. Okay. Okay. That's, and and by the way, Michael is the only one referred to as an archangel. A lot of people say there's three archangels and name those three, but the only one that's actually referred to as an archangel is Michael. What does that mean? Archangel? The message that he brought to Mary says, in my Bible, it says the angel of the Lord, which may be think that's Gabriel. Right, right. Yeah. I, I believe it's Gabriel. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I've got to go get ready for baptism. And uh, so let me, let me close this up in prayer. Y'all stay and visit, fellowship, whatever you need to do, okay? Father, we thank You and praise You for this time in Your Word. I pray that You'll take it to our heart. Thank You, Father, for the intimacy, the interpersonal relationship we have with You. And Father, thank You for uh, the message uh, that we had today of You fulfilling Your prophecy and uh, sending the Messiah to save us from our sins. I pray that You'll be with the service. Use it for Your glory. Speak to hearts today. Change lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.